Well, let us prepare ourselves to hear the gospel of the Lord. We've been reading through the gospel of John, and we have seen that over and over, John has been proclaiming to us the signs that indicate that Jesus is not just a prophet, but that Jesus is the creator come in the flesh. And last week and this week, we're going to be focusing upon this life of the kingdom of God that Jesus brought to us, not just something that's promised somewhere down the road someplace, but something that he offers to us today and that we can begin even today to participate in the life of the age to come, the life of the kingdom of heaven. And so we're going to be reading from John chapter 14, and we're going to begin reading at verse 15. Now these words were spoken by Jesus on the night he was betrayed in the upper room with his disciples. This was the Last Supper. He had washed their feet. They had shared in Holy Communion. They were celebrating the Passover, and uh, so it was a special time for all of them. The room is gone now. The room was destroyed by the Romans uh, in 70 A.D., but uh, a, a room has been rebuilt on what is the supposed site of the place where Jesus read these words. Now, there are a lot of these words, and for some of us, we've heard the words, and and we start out, oh, that's okay, okay, okay. But it seems like they pile up and pile up and get deeper and deeper as we read down through this chapter. And uh, I, I know that many of us just kind of throw up our hands and say, well, you know, that's a lot of good spiritual talk, and, but it's more than I can all pull in together all right now. And so, so we kind of quit listening because we're on overload. But you need to understand... John, of all the gospel writers, John is perhaps the simplest writer. Now, some people say, no, no, he's so theological and it's so difficult. No, it's very, very simple. The problem is we often try to hurry through it. And it does pile up when we do that. But let us read it together and talk about what Jesus said because it is just very simple and very plain, but he's talking about the life in the kingdom of heaven that we can be living now as his disciples. So, this is the gospel of the Lord, John 14, beginning at verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. That's easy to understand, is it not? Keeping his commands. It means obey. A word that we don't like too well. A word that we don't like too well. Because we feel like that takes away our freedom. So as you know, there's many people across our country. There's plenty of people in New York who don't want to wear masks. It takes away my freedom. This is a free country. I can choose and do what I want. But Jesus says to us, if you want to live the life of the kingdom of heaven, then keep my commands. Let's continue reading. 
and he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give to you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Many people say, well, I can't keep Jesus' commands anyway. They're too difficult. But Jesus says, this is not about you doing it on your own. This advocate that I'm promising to send to you, my disciples, will be with you forever and will help you to live according to my commands. He continues, this is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you. So who was living with them? It was Jesus himself, the creator, the Son of God. And he continues, and will be in you. Now that sounds a little strange, doesn't it? The Spirit of truth, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit is going to be in them. Now, some people say, use the word spirit to indicate some kind of attitude or some kind of mood in the room or some kind of, of way that a person is thinking about things. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He is talking about a person. the person of the Holy Spirit, the one who knows the truth, the spirit of truth. He knows the truth. He knows what's really real. And he has said that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are one. We have read that together. We did it last week. So he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Not only is Jesus one with the Father, He has chosen to be one with us, one with you. He says in verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. So there it is again, keeping his commands. The one who loves me, he says, will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. If we are his disciple, truly following, keeping his commands. Now you may say, well, what's that all about? What are these commands? Exactly what's he saying? Well, so the disciples thought the same kind of thought. 
It says, then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, the other disciple named Judas, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. There it is again. This must be important. He kept saying it. He keeps repeating. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So since we are followers of Jesus, since we have believed in Him, God comes and makes His home with us. He lives with us. He lives with you. How do you like that idea? Is that a good idea? Or do you say, well, you know, I'd like a little bit more space. <clears throat> we don't just invite anybody to come into our house and live with us. But this shows his, his love for us. This shows he's committed to us. He is going to be with us. He is going to be in us. He's making his home in us. He continues, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That is one of the ways he helps us to live out and keep Jesus' commands. And then he says, some very good news, peace, I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Would you connect peace to the life of our world today? Now remember when Jesus and when John used the word world, they're not talking about the planet. They're talking about the way people who are in rebellion against God, people who are living the life that's directed by themselves without regard for God. He calls that the world. And if everyone is seeking to please themselves, then of course there is not going to be peace. Because our desires conflict with each other. My peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. And that's what he promised his disciples in the words we have read. I will not leave you orphans. I will make my home with you. Well, at the end of the gospel 
chapter 14 of the Gospel of John, Jesus and the disciples got up from that upper room where they were sitting at the table. They got up and they went out and uh, they began heading across the city. And so this street is a first century street that has been uncovered by archaeologists. And it leads from the place where the upper room was down across the city. So in this picture of the city, you can see where the temple was. That building with the golden dome is on the, the spot where the temple was built. And, uh, and so Jesus and the disciples were heading across the city. And they were going to the mountain that's just beyond the city there, that large hill called the Mount of Olives. And at the base of it, down in the valley, is the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, the word garden there makes it sound like some beautiful place, all kinds of things planted, but it wasn't. It was just an olive orchard. And Jesus and the disciples had gone there to spend what was left of the night underneath the trees. And as you know, Jesus went on to pray. And in a few hours, Judas came, bringing the soldiers, and Jesus was arrested there. But as they're walking across the city, we have the words as Jesus continued to teach them. Now remember, these are the last words that Jesus said, the last, his last teaching of them before his arrest and before his crucifixion. So these are very important words. We're going to pick up our reading of the gospel in chapter 15, beginning at verse 9, where Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. There it is again. He kept emphasizing it. Here, the last time he would be teaching them before the crucifixion, keep my commands, keep my commands. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Have you been thinking, what are the commands? What's the list? What do I have to keep in mind? It's, it, it's, it's not a long list. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. There it is. So, what we need to think about is, what does it mean to love someone? The word here is, the two words in Greek that are here are agapate alelus. Alelus means each other or one another. Agapate comes from the word agape. You, most of you are familiar with the word agape, the word that was used for selfless love. So, agapate means you love. So, he says, here's the command, you love one another. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus did that 
very literally and gave his life in a few hours from then on the cross for us. But you don't necessarily have to die to be laying down your life, your plans, what you want for the one that you love. You are my friends, he says, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Do you see how important this is over and over again? This is my command. Love each other. Once again, agapate alleluus. Love with selfless love, without regard to yourself, without regard to the cost. Only focus upon what is good for the one who is the beloved. Make everyone your beloved, he says, and treat them as though they are your beloved because, in fact, they are supposed to. We are supposed to be one another's beloved. Well, many of us have heard Jesus talks a lot about love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another. And we say, okay, I've heard that. That's old stuff. But what we often have trouble understanding is how great agape love, selfless love, is. What it really means of our choices. If we are going to love someone it means that we are going to change. We are going to be changed. You cannot love, you cannot lay down your life for your friends without changing. So if some person came to you and said, I want you to be part of my life always. I need you to be part of my life. I cannot ever be happy again unless you agree to be part of my life every day. There is a big hole in my life that only you can fill. If someone said those things to you, would that mean that he or she loves you? Now, in the movies, it often is supposed to mean that. But no, that person, whoever would say those words, is not a person who loves because all of those statements were about what you are going to do for me. And love is all about what I am going to do for you. The focus is supposed to be on you if I love you. 
not upon me and what I'm going to get out of this relationship. To love someone always means that you're willing for your life to be reordered. Jesus said, even ended for the one who is loved. Now, I did not realize that the first time that I told Karen, my wife, that I loved her. It was on February the 12th, 1983, and I remember her response, not what I was expecting. Do you really mean that? That was the response. And that's a valid question to ask. Exactly what did I mean when I told her I loved her? It took years for me to understand just how much changing saying, I love you, was going to result in my life. And it also took a lot of frustration on both of our parts as we both learned more and more of what love really is. At first for me, it meant things like getting up early, on Saturday mornings, I didn't know people got up early on Saturday mornings. You get up early Monday to Friday. Saturday's the day to, to sleep in. That's something Karen always loved to do. Something that was important to her was to go to the farmer's markets. And you wanted to get there before the crowds, which meant you got there at 6 o'clock or as soon after 6 o'clock as you possibly could. On Saturday the only day there was for sleeping in. But I learned to get up on Saturdays. I learned that loving Karen meant that instead of going to the Kroger store, which was just a half a block away, we had to drive 40 miles to get to a grocery store that sold sold whole grain flour and all kinds of healthy stuff without chemicals in it. I learned also that loving Karen meant that I was not going to eat food that had lots of white flour and lots of fat and, and lots of sugar in it. It was going to be different from that. And I liked all that stuff. But of course, I, I realize now that I'm not young when you can eat anything you want and get away with it pretty much, I realize that she was right. It affects the quality of your life. But I had to learn that, and I had to change. Now, I didn't really have to. I could have resisted. We could have had arguments and fights about the whole thing. It would have been real pleasant in our home. You know what it's like when there's some kind of misunderstanding going on. But in those small ways and in many ways that were of much greater significance, I learned that loving requires change. I learned that if I was going to love Karen, I had to quit riding roller coasters. I had no idea that was the case when I told her, I love you, because I thought all sane people loved the plunges over the big hills in the roller coasters. Well, Karen does not. 
I think that we rode a roller coaster once after I told her I loved her, and she decided if I loved her, she didn't ever have to ride another one. So I rode roller coasters a number of years later with my boys, but not with Karen. Their roller coasters were out. Slowly, very slowly through the years, I was changed as I understood more and more what it means not to be living for my own agenda, for my own desires, and instead loving another person. I have been changed by the promise to love her. Now, some people would call all of those changes a cost, a cost of loving. But cost is not a real positive word. It has a negative connotation. It sounds kind of like, I'm going to be diminished. I'm going to have to, to pay to love. When in fact, loving enriches our lives. Loving a person instead of removing from us, in fact, brings to us. Jesus told us here, he said that his kind of love was going to bring us joy, complete joy, he says. And in other places he said, whoever tries to get everything the way they want it, to keep their life and make it the way they want it, are in fact, all those people are going to lose it. But it's the one who loses his life for Jesus' sake, who gives their life away to keep his commands that actually find it. So, if we love, we are enriched and changed by every person we encounter. We love people not for what we can get. We forget about our self-absorption. That's what changing from living like the wor world is all about. That's the way life in the kingdom of heaven is. It's all about being one. Remember what we read together last week. Living like the world is out. Instead, agape. Selfless love, giving to benefit whoever is there in front of me. It means that I have to relinquish my grip on my life agenda, benefiting the person in front of me becomes my agenda, and I don't know who is going to interrupt my schedule for the day and be in front of me. We give up our lives for the ones we love, our plans, our routines, our habits. Whatever it takes, we make the changes because we are committed to love and keep Jesus' command. Now, it doesn't mean we give up truth. It doesn't mean we leave a that we live a lie because Jesus is all about truth. Remember that. So we stick with the truth, and some people don't like it, and we, we will give our lives for them, but we won't give up the truth.
for them. But it does mean we give up all self-centeredness, all of our rigidity. I let go of my self-absorption. Inflexible people do not love. So Jesus said, keep my command, love one another. That is the life of the kingdom of heaven. If you are my disciple, that is the life you have chosen. Jesus doesn't command us to do anything he didn't do. He gave himself for you. And now he says, if you follow me, give yourself to others. That is the life of the kingdom of heaven. So will you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us so perfectly, so completely, who did not cling to his life, but willingly laid it down to rescue us from the destruction that we had created in our lives and in the lives of others. We thank you that he brought for us the life of the kingdom of heaven, that we can live that life now, that we can have that peace as he promised, that joy as he promised in our hearts even now. We thank you for the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, that you have made your home in us to help us, to help us remember, to transform us, to change us from being self-centered people into disciples of Jesus, people who love with the love of Jesus himself. Now we confess, Father, that we have not always done that. And for some of us right now, we're saying, well, in this relationship and that relationship, I'm not going to do that until something changes and until they respond in a different way. Help us to believe instead of trying to control. Help us to trust you and to truly follow Jesus. Transform our hearts. Help us to let go of all of the rigidity that prevents us from loving others so that every single one of us can live in the kingdom of heaven. A life that's very different from the world, but the life that you offer to us eternal life. We ask this in the name of Christ, our Redeemer.